The tyranny was broken by the sins of the father, and his shepherds finally ceased to roam, seeking instead the simple peace found in the comfort of heart and home. All eyes now turn to his heir and son, who forged their home with his power. Will he be strong enough to lead them in this, their darkest hour? Welcome back to The Lost Tribe, Darkest Hour. As always, I am the author and your humble narrator, Peter Ivey. If you are enjoying this podcast, please follow and subscribe to help me keep bringing the story to you. Thank you for listening, and let's begin. Chapter 27 I fell, screaming, through the overwhelming cold of ferocious sky. It was so bitter, and my coat was pulled open forcefully from my chest as the winds pulled at me. It was so unbelievably freezing up here, cruel as only a world in the depths of an age of winter could be. I jumped into the sky, underestimating that deep cold that Taroj would scare up for me. It was like a lance through my chest, spearing me and holding me immobile as the landscape flickered back and forth in my eyes. There was a great gleaming expanse of white below me, the blue going to black above. I closed my eyes, trying to seize upon my panic and stifle it. The simple fact that I was free-falling actually allowed me to remain calm. I felt a protective bubble of warmth surround me as my own personal defenses kicked in. It was a use of power that I didn't think I would have needed, but I wasn't thinking straight. I opened my eyes. I halted my movement facing up towards the sky, stopping myself, and pivoted around to look where I was. Twenty feet below me, the great black ocean, the abyss, that encircled the glacial nursery in the northern hemisphere of Tarosh surged and whirled with the cold winds, jostling the mammoth islands of rock and ice that floated in its frigid embrace. I would have smacked against one of those islands if I had landed anywhere else. I was below the horizon of a row of moving glacial peaks, hanging over a large open pool of water pendant by the glaciers. I headed over to the nearest glacier to put my feet on semi-salt ground. The yanking sensation from my chest made me stop. I grabbed at my shirt, understanding that whatever had been implanted in the medallion needed to get out. Kind of now. I dragged the medallion out, feeling it writhe under my hands. A great black bird, perfectly shaped and glossy with eyes of vibrant purple, flew out and into the air. It whirled around me for a moment, as if stretching itself out after a long confinement. I wondered if it understood any language at all. Perhaps I should have tried to say something to it instead of throwing it in a box? Perhaps. It stopped, hovering in front of me gently beating its wings. All right, Silas, this is your show. It's cold and I have bigger concerns than freeing one of your people who shouldn't have been on one of my worlds in the first place. Lead the way. The bird flew off as if shot out of a cannon. I flew forward to catch up with it, pulling my coat together. I secured my cloak and coat tightly and dropped the field that I had thrown around myself, bracing for the cold. I started blinking rapidly and tears started forming and freezing. Clever girl, that Jules, and her goggles. I summoned a pair from Caledon and strapped them on. They were tight, but the cold was worse. The birds circled and swooped around me as we drifted over the expansive glaciers, moving southward. This wasn't going as I hoped. We were heading on a direct line for the Southlands, for the last vestiges of civilization on the planet and their unpredictable and perhaps unreliable ruler. Their mistrust of beings like me went far back in their history, or so Simi had told me. According to him, there had been visitors among their people who wore heavy metal armor and bore the head of the lion upon their breasts. 
They did not look kindly upon Simi's people, but scorned their company and watched from the forbidding wilderness as if waiting for something. I didn't know what that meant at the time, but when I looked into it, it seemed pretty obvious that the shepherds had been among the people of the worlds much more in the past, possibly on a constant basis. They didn't like the regular folk very much, by the sound of it. Maybe that was by design. The bird emitted a piercing screech and seemed to drop towards the land. I followed it down. The snows were drifting heavily across the ice below, barring my view of what was going on. But as we drew closer, I could hear screams of battle. We were close to the northeastern edge of the Southlands, where the ice floe became an expanse of solid ice. The landscape was rent in places by massive curves where the big sheets buckled together and produced craggy towers of razor-sharp shards that were blinding to behold when the snows cleared and the sun poured across. As it was, I could only see the tallest bunch of those towers as I drew closer, the rest hidden in the drifting banks of snow, but I could hear the sounds of men dying in agony. The bird had been drawn to them. I exerted my will as I hovered over the land, channeling enough power to send a scouring force that blew the snows up from under me in a wide ring, and I calmed the winds. The bird twisted away from me, dodging the expanding ring of calm and the force it exerted around the edges. The scene was cleared, and I could see what was happening. Six men, Taroji huntsmen with axes and shields, were fighting a handful of black-clad warriors with dark curving blades among the towers. Two of the Taroji lay dead or dying next to the towers, their blood streaming as it crept vividly upon the ice. One of their opponents was badly hurt, but his blood was thick and black. I was in the right place. My sudden appearance set the whole group in motion. The Taroji looked upon me with suspicion and anger, and retreated behind the towers, pulling throwing axes and knives from their belts. The others looked up at me quizzically. I bared Hearthblade, letting them know exactly who I was. I looked on with some satisfaction as they screamed a roar of challenge at me. I descended upon them, my, my blade held high in an overhand lunge. Their swords seemed to melt and reformed around their hands as claws. They were more of the dark warriors who I had fought on Caladon, identical in physical appearance and able to mold the dark stuff into weapons. I dropped down swiftly, bringing my blade down in a wide arc to my right beheading one of the warriors. He lit up with green fire, sending a couple of his compatriots scrambling as he flailed and flopped onto the ice, his limbs becoming twitching showers of fire and burning darkness. I spun around, switching my grip on the blade to drive it through the next warrior. He twitched as the flames took him, and I pulled my blade up and out of his shoulder, sending a terrific gout of flaming ichor into the air. I kicked his corpse backward into one of the towers, and it sizzled as it sank into the ice. Two of the warriors were on me right after, undeterred by the brutal deaths of their fellows. They sought to tear my weapon from me, trying to claw at my hand to draw blood and weaken my hold. I suffered a couple scratches as I pushed the warriors back from me. One leapt at me, foolishly ending up on my sword. He screamed and reached for me with his claws, but the other was on me, digging its claws into my shoulder. Damn, I felt them bite, sink into me. The burning one crumbled to the ice as the other dragged me onto my back. I lashed out with my blade but missed him. He dug his claws in further grinning with mouths as he did so. I hadn't hurt like this in a while, I almost lost my grip on my blade. Two more warriors stood over me now, their claws bared and circling me and keeping their eyes on the Taroji. The closest one dove down and forced my sword arm to the ice. I reached up with my free hand and grabbed the sadistic warrior by the throat. He laughed at what he must have thought was a feeble attempt. You all misunderstand, I whispered, grinning up at him. My blade may be the torch, but I... And the fire! I sent an arc of energy out from my palm, burning through my tormentor's head and reducing it to a puff of ash. The others backed away, their claws turned into curved blades again. 
I rose to my feet, favoring my wounded shoulder. I could feel the energies in me working through the wound. I flexed my arm, feeling the strength again. The retreating warriors raised their blades to me as some kind of warning. It was probably comforting for them. The bird landed on my shoulder and squawked loudly at them. They both faltered for a moment and turned to look at each other. Hearthblade returned to my grip and I sheathed it. I let a large glow of energy issue from my eyes and I pointed at the two warriors. Kabe! Kabayuk! Makta! Dark! The hunters beyond the pillars, in one voice, screamed a triumphant bellow. A reply and strode forward, their weapons raised. They came and stood beside me. I noted with satisfaction that, that these hunters were of the same ilk as Simi, along with their superstition, that Taroji had a profound sense of tradition and loyalty, including the laws that they hunted by. I just told my very brutal comrades here to kill you for sport, and leave you for the crows, or whatever else wanted along. I don't know how good you'd taste, but I'm betting you wouldn't want being part of that trial and error. I know that you've taken someone prisoner recently, and I need to know where they are. Cooperate, and I won't feel the need to let them take you down. The warriors went into a crouch, drawing their blades back as if to spring forward at me. So much for a reasonable discussion. Kave! Four axes thudded into the warriors, followed by half a dozen knives in quick succession. Limbs dropped to the ice, followed by their butchered owners. The spot where they lay became a slow, spreading pool of darkness. The hunters were about to finish them when I put my arm out to stop them from going near the viscous ooze. I pulled Hearthblade, setting the bird fluttering into the air, and drove it into the black pool. There was a moment where I swear I could hear distant screaming, and then the whole mass was aflame as the power arced through it greedily, tearing at the dark material like an animal savage against kill. The hunters knelt and watched the flames with rapt attention. I waited for a moment before speaking in their language. Tell me what you know. The hunters looked to the man closest to the flames. He was blonde-haired, bearded, and graying. His features chiseled and without mirth. His one eye was white, and a solid line of scar tissue ran from just above his eyebrow to the edge of the upper lip. It pulled the right side of his face slightly up towards his cheekbone. He turned to me and stood, his men following his example. I pulled Hearthblade from the ice. Dripping flames and ashes, I hoisted it. I tapped the blade against the ice, dislodging the remaining debris. I was about to lift the blade to put it back in its sheath, but the pain flared in my shoulder from the wound. In the heat of battle, it hadn't hurt much, but it was aching now. I summoned my blade back into its sheath instead. The bird fluttered down and landed on my shoulder. Ugh. You are the patron. Call me Mick, I replied. Ragda, the leader said, tapping his hand over his heart. I nodded. He sat back down with his hunters and bade me to do the same. I didn't really have the time to sit down for a story in the middle of the ice. I didn't want to keep that storm off forever either, as I might start to distort the world too much if I did so. But when in Taroj, do as the Taroji. The bird led me here for a reason. The men in black came ten months ago, with their souls across the ice floes. They attacked our peoples who made our hunt to the north, leaving them in piles for us to find. They had poured flow water over the piles so they would freeze in place, like a warning or a tribute. It looked like a chair. The Taroji did not know what a throne was, for no matter how honored a place a person had in their society, they did not sit above the rest if it could be helped. Such an action would be considered rude, and the speaker would be ignored. I knew what the men in black were making with the bodies of the Taroji. I saw what Felker had created in the caverns under Kamal. 
these men and their fanaticism made me want to utterly destroy them. Them and their damned queen. And what did Anhar do? He sent lone scouts to the north, looking for the lair of the warriors. None have returned. His blood roared, and he sent word to gather the tribes to march in the north to destroy the invaders. We are one of three scouting parties he sent to find their lair. I felt we were getting close when they ambushed us, here among the pillars. That's probably true. I may have a way to find it for sure. But you must trust me, Rakta. You will use your sorcery. This bird is the tool of the enemy. I intend to use it to lead me to them. It led me here, and I figure it will lead me the rest of the way as well. It is a weapon. It better be, anyway. Otherwise it ended up in an iron box in the depths of the North Sea, for all I care. To turn a weapon against its owner is clever. Rugged amused. I will bring my men with you. But I cannot speak for Anha. He will demand vengeance. They have something I want. Once I have it, those among the enemy that remain here are his to destroy. Send word south to Anhar to come to the pillars. I summoned a pair of heavy blankets and dropped them onto the ice. Take care of your friends. Rogda nodded and rose to his feet. He dispatched his men to wrap up their two fallen comrades. While they were busy, I lifted my arm and opened my palm, nodding at the bird to hop on down. It did so, and I lifted it so that I was looking into his purple eyes. I don't know if you can understand me. I want you to know that I appreciate you leading me to these men so that I could help them. That being said, I need you to lead us the rest of the way. Do you understand me? The bird squawked at me, flapping its wings and stepping about. It stalked back up my arm to my shoulder. It dug its claws in a bit and I winced. I looked at Ragna and he was eyeing me suspiciously. He looked at the bird and gripped the knife on his belt. Take it easy, you little squab, I growled at the bird. I've got a box with your name on it, remember? It squawked at me again, and stared at me with its creepy purple eyes. Come on, Ragda, I said, rising to my feet. Let's go hunting. Thank you for listening and supporting this podcast. Keep sharing and subscribing to help me keep bringing the story to you. Come back next week for the next episode of The Lost Tribe, Darkest Tower.